Hello and welcome to the Empire of the Cop podcast. With me here today, we've got Peter Kenny Jones and we've got the Reds Unrestricted podcast host, David Comerford, and of course, Rick Elliott in the wings. Uh, David, thanks for coming on. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. Obviously, um, turned into a really comfortable result last night in the end. Didn't look that way for a bit, but yeah, it's a, it's a pleasure to be on here and um, talking more about the Reds. Yeah, no, again, and I, 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 you know, I feel bad saying this every week, but a game really of two halves yet again from Jurgen Klopp's men. Like pretty much as close to a perfect half as you're going to get from a football team in that first 45 minutes of action. I mean, the scoreline just didn't reflect the level of sheer brutal dominance, um, you know, we had, didn't it, Dave? Yeah, well, honestly, watching the first half, it was strange because you know going into it, I was I was very confident, and that's quite rare for me actually to be to be confident going into a game. But I wasn't really. It was reinforced by what we saw in the first thirty five minutes and and the whole half really of the game. And yeah, when it got to half time, I was thinking we could be in for a sort of four or five nil win. To be honest, um, you know that might sound a bit sort of a bit sort of arrogant, but that's the way it was looking. You know, you alluded to it there. And then we get into second half, obviously, you know, about 10 minutes into it, they get the goal. And really, there was sort of an extended spell of pressure from them. I, I think it lasted almost sort of 15, 20 minutes. It wasn't that Liverpool reasserted themselves quickly. They had to sort of ride out the storm a little bit, to be honest, and then obviously got the goal late on. So, yeah, it's it's one of them where it's a very good result, like I said. I do wonder if in an ideal world, we might have won by one or two more. And then next week, we get to rest our, our key players. Obviously, with the difficulty of the schedule we got coming up, that might have been useful, but you can't really complain, can you? Um, about I, mean, yeah. I think you've hit the nail on the head there with the schedule because April is looking a particularly tough month on, on all fronts, you know, the league, league and FA Cup uh, included. Um, but, I mean, you do look at the scoreline and you think, well, a 3-1 away in Lisbon, you know, it's a decent result you know in the Champions League you know Benfica certainly they're not a bad side I think you know they wouldn't have got this far in a competition if they were um, but I mean Pete we, we look at that second half and you know obviously thinking going in at 2-0 you take you take going in at 2-0 at half time but you know David rightly pointed out we could have could have been much higher scoreline what sort of really went wrong for you? Can I take one second took the wrong way or took his eye off the ball and they scored? I mean, you know, although they, we know as David said they had about 10, 15 minutes of you know being much more in the game. I don't, you know, don't think they really looked like they were going to score. It was just it was a lot closer than it had been. And obviously their fans were desperate for anything to go off to try and get the atmosphere going, and that's what worked in their favour. I think, you know, they started all right as well in the first five, ten minutes, and then obviously we just had took total control of the game and maybe got a bit complacent. Kanata, as I say, does that one mistake, which, you know, from everything else he did in the game was brilliant. And, you know, that's that's the life of a defender and a goalkeeper. If you do something like that, it can most often stand up in a goal, doesn't it? So he was unlucky and the game was close. But, you know, we, we battered them. It's not often that in our lives, I think that, or any, the life of any football fan, you're going to get to the quarter final of the Champions League. And be that dominant in a game away from home. You know, we have a lot of games coming up, and obviously the next ones in between the two games against Man City. But I think to be able to go at home and know if we score one or two early, we get the tie is pretty much done. And, you know, we've got five subs, so you can afford to play a few big hitters, win the game, and take them off. And you know, as, as Clark was saying, he was fortunate to be able to make those 
three changes and blah, blah. I think Henderson and Panino did really well when they came on. I'm not saying Jotham didn't, but I think they just really helped control the game, win the ball back and set the tempo. And it just it's a luxury to have all those players on the bench and you know, suddenly out of nowhere we've signed Lewis Diaz and we've got one of the best squads in Europe after one signing. And yeah, it's just amazing how how good we are really and you know we roll on to, to Sunday and really in high form why why can't we go and roll anyone else away? Absolutely. A luxury is 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 the bright word. Exactly. I mean, David, it's not bad being a Liverpool fan when you can take off Mo Salah and Sajimani and then just casually bring on Luis Diaz and Diego Jota. I mean, I mean, one man I want to sort of quickly touch upon before we get to uh, another whose fortunes have perhaps taken a turn for the worst. I, I mean, Naby Keita looked a force of nature uh, against you know Benfica. It, it was the exact kind of game that you looked at and you think that's the player we all saw when you were at Leipzig. That's the player, you know, the complete uh, midfielder to, to, to quote the player himself um, that we all sort of looked at and thought, my God, this is, you know, this is perfect. We can get that, you know, that's going to, you know, you're really going to live up to the expectations of the shirt that was left behind. Um, I, I mean, what, because it, it's another one that sort of goes under the radar when we're talking about contracts, because Navikaita's contract, fundamentally, it expires in 2023, as does the likes of Salas, which has obviously taken a lot of the headlines for, you know, all the right reasons. But it, with performances like that, you know, if you can continue to contribute in such a, a manner throughout the rest of the season, is, is there pretty much a case there then for giving him a contract extension? Well, yeah, I think first of all, you're right about the contract situation. I mean, it's not just even Salah and and Keita. You know, you've got Mane and Firmino as well. Oxley Chamberlain, I think, is in a similar position. So it has gone a bit under the radar. I think the thing with Keita is, and there's no doubt that that was one of his best performances for Liverpool yesterday. I think complete was the right way to describe it. To be honest, you know, very very good on both sides of the ball. Um, obviously, the best moment coming at the end with with the bit of play that leads to to Diaz's goal, but I think generally for the most part, I mean, one or two games aside, his performances have always sort of been sort of seven out of 10 or above. Um, and that hasn't really been the question mark with Cater. I do think he's grown as a footballer this season and has taken on a more kind of under the radar, but effective role in kind of the manner of Jeannie Wijnaldum. But the question mark has obviously always been his fitness but if you look at it this season, and obviously he he wasn't available, I don't think, for the game against against Watford. Um, so it's not been perfect. And there was a muscle injury he sustained in the awesome as well. But other than that, really, his availability has actually been pretty good. And he's been able to sort of rotate. I know they both played yesterday, but rotate with Thiago a lot of the time and offering similar things in the midfield. And it looks like he's going to end up playing potentially as many games as he has his whole Liverpool career or close to that first season. So I think if he can combine those performances with the availability and stay fit crucially until the end of the season, then that's when it becomes a really compelling case to give him a new deal. Because like I say, it's not been the question, his ability, and I don't think Klopp has had doubts about that, whether he's whether he's ready to play. And that has improved this season, whether the club have um, changed the way they're managing him, I don't know, but it certainly has looked a lot brighter and I think generally the the feeling around Keita at the moment is as good as it has been for a number of years Absolutely I think availability is absolutely the key issue I mean we, we've seen it with 
the likes of obviously Jean Matip, who again was a player that nobody really doubted the quality was there, but you know, you you get not even half of the season, there'd be a knee injury and we wouldn't see him again. Um, so ev- evidently having, having that availability and proving, you know, the ability that we all rightly know that he has, you know, will, will potentially go massively in his favour and, you know, fingers crossed on that front. Um, Pete, that does mean I've left you with the less savoury topic of, of course, of Mo Salah's form, which is um, by all accounts, taken something of a dip um, since, I mean, forget the World Cup qualifiers. Like he hasn't seen his usual self since um, the African Cup of Nations. I mean, I mean, Cop alluded to this after the game and he obviously talked about, you know, Mane's in the ascendancy, Salah not so much and talks about the, you know, the pressure that's been heaped on their shoulders with their international commitments. And obviously it's fair to say Mo's been through the ringer uh, really with, with, with the national side uh, with, with those two results. Do you reckon that's sort of playing on his mind a little or is it uh, something else? Well, it's hard to know. Mo probably won't know either himself. That's the frustrating thing. You know, we saw what happened with Mane you know, in the season where he was getting himself checked out because he didn't understand why he wasn't playing as well. You know, sometimes you're in form, sometimes you're not. It's just kind of what happens, isn't it? I think we know that you know, football is not just about how fit you are. You've got to be mentally prepared. And there's no doubt that you know, losing the Akron title and not qualifying for the World Cup will affect them mentally. You know, obviously it will. And, you know, these players, they don't come from around the world. They're not scouts. They, their dreams are to do the things for their country and then they're good enough to leave their country and play in, in the league, like the Premier League, and achieve everything they want. But there's no doubt that Salah will probably swap his Premier League and Champions League medals there to win Afcon and go and do really well in, in, in the World Cup. So it's obviously going to affect them. And maybe again, because we've got Diaz, Jota and Benino nipping at his tail, Maybe he likes the pressure of being the one man we rely on. And now I like the fact that there's a few others in there. And then again, the contract, everyone's talking about them every time. And I think the fans most of the time are, are fully behind him, but it's in the back of a lot of supporters' heads. You know, if he leaves in the summer and a big money deal, and there'll be a lot of people upset with him, you know, whether that that little 1% less support, maybe that's not helping them either. You know, it's a combination of things, but we all know that he can turn up any game he can play in City. On Sunday, he scored a hat trick, and no one would be surprised to say, "Oh, Salah's back." So it's just about how he finds his form again. And you know, he, he looked happy last night when he put, put that picture up with him and Trent and Robbo and the crew and me. So you know, his his mind's fully on trying to win every trophy he can, and he won't be upset losing out on a top goal scorer's award. And it means he gets a bit of silverware elsewhere in the FA Cup, Premier League, Champions League. So. That's what the season's all about now. And you know, if he doesn't find his form, we're blessed again. We've got some other amazing strikers, so we can afford him to have a couple of weeks off, and then someone else will take the limelight, like Lewis Diaz last night, and he's had the O'Malley score. And so, you know, we are blessed, and it's just on him to get himself back to the place where we all know he can be. No, absolutely. I, I think, you know, I mean, as far as I'm personally concerned, I don't think it's an issue of happiness um at liverpool because you know fundamentally i think all obviously all the, all the speculation all the reports coming out of the club seems to be he's as committed to extending his contract as the club are to handing him a new contract obviously it's whether they can find that uh, key middle ground um but we'll circle back to city shortly i, I mean dave i mean there's been a lot of sort of chatter about this in terms of the contract i mean first it seemed that it was on then it seemed that it 
wasn't on. There was the infamous interaction um, online. You know, his agents sort of come out with the laughing emojis in response to Jurgen Klopp's sort of presser comments. Then we've had sort of recent reports that suggest, you know, that it, it does seem to be back on. The Egyptian sports minister came out and said he'd spoken to Salah, advised him to, you know, get the hell out of Liverpool and seek a different club. And uh, it, the, the assumption seemed to be that Salah was like, no, I, I want to stay. I'm committed to extending my future at Liverpool. I mean, where do you stand on all this? Because it seems to be um, a situation that's constantly shifting and evolving. You know, do you see this landing sort of sunny side up for Liverpool? Well, I mean, to put it in perspective, you know, if you'd said to me at the start of the season that we'd reach April, because at the start of the season, we were talking about it as well. You said to me, we'd reach April and we hadn't reached a solution. Then I'd be thinking, oh, well, that's very worrying. Um, and I don't, I don't really know how to feel about it. To be honest, there are, it kind of varies week to week, almost how you, how you feel about it, um, and how confident you are. I think the reports that we've seen recently um, are obviously positive, but they're not very widespread. Um, and I think Melissa Reddy uh, pushed back um, on the suggestion that it was, it was maybe close after a couple of reports suggested that it was. Um, and yeah, the the thing, the dynamic you mentioned with his agent isn't great. I think it's it's a case of Salah does want to stay um, at Liverpool, and you can understand that. You know, we're essentially one of the top two clubs in the world, so anywhere he could go now would almost be a step down. And he also has to think about his sort of relative status as well, which I think does matter quite a lot to him. Um, in terms of he's the big superstar in this side, whereas is that going to be the case if he goes somewhere else? But obviously there's the financial element as well. And he wants the he wants to be put on the same plane as the players that he's performing, as well as you know, he's one of the best in the world. Um, and it's it feels like who blinks first, really, um, between the two parties, you know, do Liverpool up their offer? Does Salah bring his demands down? And I I do wonder. You know, I wrote a piece not that long ago about how Salah doesn't actually have that many obvious options um, in Europe. And I wonder if he actually looks at the clubs um, and the state of them, because the Premier League is the place to be at the moment. And you look at like Barcelona, financial troubles, Real Madrid going for Mbappe and Haaland. Can they afford Salah? Does Salah want to compete with them for the limelight kind of thing? So there's a few considerations like, like that. So I do think the club a sort of I, I'm not sure whether they'd be panicking yet I think maybe they would be inclined to wait for for Salah to extend a bit of an olive branch if you like because if negotiations have reached a uh, an impasse at the moment so yeah it is a it is a difficult one it does very much seem like it's kind of deadlocked at the moment and like I say hard to gauge gauge it but I'm still overall I'm still optimistic that he'll sign a new deal but like I say, the fact that it's nearly, we're not too far off being a year away from the expiry now is a bit, a little bit alarming. Optimistic, but still far from certain, um, mm. sadly. But, you know, as you've rightly noted, the options beyond Liverpool are far from appetising. You know, you're looking at probably... You know, if you're excluding Manchester City, um, Bayern Munich is, is probably your best bet in terms of a club that's going to give you that same, well, perhaps not the same level of competitiveness, but a similar level of competitiveness. But then still, with all due respect to the Bundesliga, 
in a comparatively weaker league. Um, looking, of course, ahead to Manchester City. Um, Pete, what's your thoughts on this? We had a, we had a little poll on Empire of the Cock to see what uh, supporters were feeling about Mo's recent form and specifically whether it should rule him out of starting um, for Liverpool at the Etihad. Um, I mean, I can I can tell you the results now and it's, it's overwhelmingly still in favour of him starting to the tune of 87.4% of almost 5,000 fans have voted on this issue. So, I I mean, it's hard to dispute. I I think you you mentioned this earlier because we were talking about sort of, you know, this is Mo Salah. I think if it was any other player in the form he's in, you'd probably think straight to the bench, Klopp's not going to put up with that. But you're talking about a player as special as Mo Salah and all you need is one special moment at the Etihad um, to give you that, you know, big result that potentially, you know, sees you finish the season strongly on on all fronts and remain in competitions that we're involved in. Uh, I mean, for you, is it just is it obvious? Is just starting the star qualities there? We just need one incredible moment, and that's it. Well, I'd, probably the only thing I disagree on is I think Klopp would be the same. If it was Sadio Mane going to the same form, I think he'd still for this game. You go with what you know. We know Salah and Mane. I think they'll definitely start both for them. I think you know, our staff vote shows and that most people will pick them. And obviously, this was about Salah. I don't think there's any reason to take out the player with the most goals in the league. And I'm not sure if he's still top assist or joint, but he's, he's definitely up there as well. I don't think he's taken out the squad. I think the main question is who the one is with them. You know, it possibly, I think, if we're looking for an exciting prospect, you probably think, let's see what Diaz can do. You want to play it safe and you know that you're going to be get the performance you want and battling from the point you play for me, you know, and then Jota just can't stop scoring himself either. So to get into the balancement of riches again, but I do think that the two uh, definitely will start is Salah and Mane and the question is who's alongside them. And yeah, this, it's it's never a bad thing to see any of them play, is it? I don't think there'll be anyone who says, oh, for God's sake, no Salah starting against City, you know, it's form or not form, you rely on what you know and, you know, we've had it a few big games against them, but they've always seemed to come a bit earlier or a bit less with everything on the line. I think, obviously, you think of the, the John Stones one when he clears it off the line. That that was obviously a massive game. But I think you know, we looked at the Champions League one. Salah's been there and provided big moments. And, you know, why, why can't he do it again? And, yeah, that, there's no question for me, really. Most Salah definitely starts. And I don't think Klopp would be thinking about not playing him. And, and that's why him and Mane came off early yesterday. I think it was a little bit premeditated, obviously, if the game was a bit tight and he might have thought otherwise, but he does seem to always have these hour mark substitutions lined up, especially when he's got five subs to use. So, yeah, be Salah and Mane, and then I, I think I'm probably reckon he might even go with Bobby just to start with and then see what happens from there. But yeah, um, whatever he picks, it's going to be good. So, that's all I'm interested in. No, absolutely. I mean, in, in this in this month, you know, so much football that's going to be played and so many big games to be played critically. Um, it's, you know, it's critical that we do take advantage of that five sub rule and do rest players where we can. And um, I mean, I suppose the question is it, with, with, this, with this game coming up and obviously David, it's been billed by a lot of commentators as a potential title decider. Um, both managers though on other sides have, have disputed this. I mean, Klopp's come out and said, well, you can beat City at the Etihad, but they're still, you know, one of the best teams in the world and they can win all the remaining games. Liverpool slip up and then it, it changes. And Guardiola has, has pretty much echoed that in his own uh, presser comments. I, I suppose my question for you is, you know, 
where does the pressure lie here? Because obviously Liverpool are the chasers, and I think you know many would argue you'd, you'd, it, it, there's less pressure on you as as the chaser. You know, there's only two points separating the two sides. You know, which position w- would you rather be in going into this game? I would say uh, Manchester's position. Um, obviously, home advantage is is a big factor, but but not just that. In terms of the dynamic of the game. The reason I think the reason I'd favour City is because if they draw the game, that suits them. As far as I'm concerned, I don't think personally that a draw does suit Liverpool. It's not the end of the world that Liverpool draw, but City, I think if it does finish as a draw and the one point gap remains and they kind of get out of it without falling behind, I think they'll back themselves to come through the remaining games that they have. Um, with maximum points, to be honest. And I know they've got one or two tricky ones in there, but it's a decent look and run for them. And they've got experience of doing it as well. Obviously, we saw 18, 19, um, that they managed to do that um, as Liverpool putting them under pressure. And it's interesting what you might say about Klopp as well, because I do think it's something that's important to be stressed before the game. You know, if Liverpool win and go two points ahead of City, we need to keep our feet on the ground, you know, as a team and as a fan base as well, because we have to come through, start to come through the rest of our game. City might not drop another point after that. And our fixtures are much more difficult. The one I look at in, in particular is Tottenham at home. Obviously, they've already won at the Etihad. Um, they've got one of the best managers in the world. They're one of the informed teams in the league at the moment. You know the difficulty of the schedule. Um, you know, it's really it's looking really tricky for us, and we've got competing demands to juggle as well. Champions League, FA Cup. So, yeah, I think it's the, there is more pressure on us to be honest. And I think if City win and go four points ahead, then that's when it'll feel like a title decider in a strange way. Whereas if we win, it could be a decisive moment, obviously. But is it the be all and end all? I don't think so. There's a lot of work still to be done, even if we do manage to. But We've got to make sure that we we don't certainly make sure we don't lose the game because it will feel like a, a bit of a mountain to climb after that. No, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I mean, Pete, one point between us, but you know, as David rightly pointed out, City win, it's four points between us suddenly, and that suddenly seems an oddly almost not not quite insurmountable, but a significant gap at this stage in the season. Is that title race over for you as far as you're concerned if we do lose at the Etihad or is it still all to play for? Well, you know, there's not going to be a trophy given out after the game, no matter what the result is. So, you know, that, that says where it is in the season. But you know, I think yeah, if we win, I don't think anyone will be saying we've won. And if we lose, I think there'll be a lot more people saying we, we've we've lost the lead there on that one. So I think it, maybe it's just about not losing. I felt like before that international break, they seemed to be faltering, stuttering a bit. And I did think that if we just don't lose there, I'd back us to win the rest of the games we've got. And hopefully the pressure on them and to the PTV order will mean that they'll slip up somewhere. But no, it's... It's just, it, you don't know, do you? That's why this game could be so big and, and so anticipated because both these teams have comfortably got it in them to go and win every game after that one. You know, it, it wouldn't be a surprise if we went and beat City. We could go on the run that we win every game and win every cup. That's not beyond the realms of possibility. And the same for Man City. You know, they could, as Klopp said, you know, they're probably more favourites to win the treble than we are to win the quadruple because you know, they're leading the way in both and you know, I think 
in a one-off game, it's always hard to play against City. So Wembley one's going to be hard. They were the whole match. They've got the point lead in the Premier League and in Europe, it means so much to them that they're going to throw everything at it. So you no, know, it's, it's it's hard to say. And not as I said, not until we won, not until we lost it. If we win it, I'll be confident that we can just carry on going. But as you say, just that Tottenham game and when's the last time we beat Everton and United home away in the same season? So I, I don't remember it. That's a massive ask. You know, those games take form off the window and it's just, whatever happens, it's going to be exciting and hopefully we win and you just know the atmosphere for every single game for the rest of the season. It's going to be amazing and just enjoy the ride. It's probably the best thing. It's going to be stressful. It's going to be nervy, but let's just hope we edge it and just keep enjoying the last the next two months and see where it takes us. I mean, absolutely. But fundamentally, we, I mean, we, we've seen this, you know, so many times before. But, you know, if you look at this stage of the season, how many times at this stage of the season have Liverpool already won a trophy and are still in the three remaining um, competitions and with a, you know, a reasonable shout of, of coming away with further silverware? It's, it's incredible. It, it, it's, I mean, it, we, we know we've lauded this this team, you know, for so long, this manager for so long. To be at this point in the season, still have so much to play for it's a brilliant situation to be in but tough game of course extremely tough game and with that in mind Pete how are you feeling for a score because you tend to go big but I have a feeling for this one you'll be a bit more reserved uh, I won't say five but I do think we I do think, <laughs> we, do it. I do think we can we can fly at them and why not go and score loads of goals I think you said Salah's desperate to get his, his goals going again so I I'm going to say, as I said the other year, I'm with that first leg at Anfield, I just have that feeling for us. And I'll say 3 0 Liverpool, I reckon we're going to, they're going to knock them on the floor. They're going to be, you know, what's going on? Salah's got a hat trick, and then suddenly get, get your flights booked to Paris. We're going to win the group. Well, that's what's going to happen this weekend. You know what, Pete? I, I always, I always <laughs> will come to you for positivity. It's you know, I love it. I absolutely love it, D- David. I, I don't know how you stand on potential score predictions. Like some of our guests love it. Some aren't so inclined. Where, where, where do you fall? I don't, I don't mind um, doing predictions. I know some people have this sort of superstition where they don't like to sort of say we'll win because they feel like they're inviting a bit of punishment or something. <laughs> I think you should have maybe come to Pete second and then you could have almost had the more optimistic nose afterwards. But um, I think that it'll be a draw. Um, I think it'll be a decent scoring draw, maybe another two all. Um, I think it's one of them where it's almost guaranteed to be a great game of football not that that's going to make any difference to us we'll be suffering uh, throughout it anyway as fans um, but yeah I think the attacks on show will mean that it, it could be a high score and draw um, which again isn't the end of the world might feel like a slight missed opportunity but we'd still be very much in it um, I think to win the game we'd have to produce potentially the best performance we have across the whole Jürgen Klopp era um, to go there, to go there and win, or just have you know a lot of luck. And that could be a factor as well. Um, so it'll be interesting. And I think I say that when I say things like that, I, it almost excites me in a way because it's like there is an opportunity going into this game. You know, if, if any of the team wins, it'll be looked back on as a classic game for that team. Um, and especially for us, like I say, there's an opportunity to make history. So that's a more positive way of looking at it the other more realistic way is that I'm dreading it and don't want to think about it until 3.55 or 4.25 on a, on Sunday uh, but yeah I reckon my instinct is that it'll be a draw but not kind of an anticlimactic one certainly like a, a spectacular one that's, that's the thing if, if, if we end up winning you know we're all looking, a bit, looking back and going oh what a 
great game. What a great game. But I just know every single one of us will be, you know, on the edge of our seats, you know, fingernails between our teeth sort of thing. I, I was originally inclined to agree with you on the, on the two all, but Pete's positivity has infected me. And I, I'm going to go for, I'll, I'll go between you all. I'll go for like a nice little two, one cheeky away win at the Etihad. We, we'd all take it right now, um, but you know we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Certainly, City are far from being mugs. Uh, but here today at the Empire of the Cop podcast, we've had Peter Kenny Jones, Rick Elliott in the wings, and we've had, of course, the host of the Reds Unrestricted podcast, Dave Comerford. Uh, Dave, before you leave, any plugs you want to drop in here before you head off? Well, um, thanks for giving me the opportunity. Yeah, just. Um... Follow me on Twitter and then you'll find uh, links to the uh, the podcast every week. Dave underscore Comerford. Uh, yeah, I'll just I'll just post them on there and obviously tweet quite a bit about uh, Liverpool as well. So yeah, I've enjoyed it. Brilliant stuff, brilliant stuff. It's a great, great podcast. So definitely everyone have a little cheeky look at that. But for now, we've been the Empire of the Cop podcast. Thanks for joining us and take care. <laughs>